Welcome to The Spartan Life, where we explore what it means to be a part of the Southern Lehigh family. And we attempt to cover all of the sweet, sweet goodness that is Southern Lehigh High School in 30 minutes or less. From first-hand coverage of exciting experiences, to intimate discussions with some of your favorite teachers, to inspirational interviews with diverse students on unique journeys. That's right, great students accomplishing great feats. We'll do our best to hit all of the highlights. But inevitably, we will fail. Because there's so much to celebrate, we're afraid your brains would simply melt if we tried to cover it all. We're your hosts. I'm Mr. Castagna. And I'm Mr. Howe. Join us as we venture into the heart of Southern Lehigh High School, one interaction at a time, on The The Spartan Spartan Life. So, Mr. Castagna, how you doing, bud? I'm feeling pretty good, but I am a little tired. Uh, I spent one of my English classes today playing the part of Gloucester in King Lear, and I had my eyes gouged out by Kyle Nord. So that uh, takes a lot out of you. Yeah, I bet it does. What about your other classes? In my other class, I played Willie Loman in Death of a Salesman. So I spent the whole day projecting and gesticulating, and I am by no means an actor, so I'm pretty wiped out. Uh, That's probably a lot like having your eyes gouged out by Kyle Nord. Yeah, I definitely felt a little bit like that. Excellent. excellent. Yeah, but uh, there's some acting going on in your house, correct? Uh, Yes, there is. What's going on there? Uh, My daughter actually just got a part in uh, Civic Theater's Theater's production of Frozen Junior, which they will be doing here in the spring very soon. And my daughter got Young Anna, which is actually a, a pretty big deal. So we're very proud of her. That sounds like a significant yeah, part. Yeah, yeah. She's gonna have to sing. Uh, Do you want to build a snowman? And there's another song that I can't remember the word, uh, the title of, off the top of my head right now. But yeah, it's a it's a big part. Well, wish your daughter good luck from uh, the Southern Lehigh community. Yeah, thank you, buddy. Appreciate that. Yeah. Now we don't have any actors on the show today, but we do have a musician. So once we get through a little package story about the blood drive, we're going to talk to Michael Corrado, who is in a band called Misanthropes. And then we sit down with Mr. Zeisloft and and find out about why he uh, dresses so fancy. But up first, we're going to take you to the blood drive. We're going to talk to some students as they await going in to give blood. We're going to talk to Mr. Scrappitz while he gives blood. And then we're going to talk to some students when they come out, and they'll tell us how the experience was. And you will find out why I go nowhere near that room. Enjoy this bit about the blood drive. I'm talking with some students who are in charge of today's blood drive. What are your names? Anthony Clinton. Carly Miller. Emma Hobby. Hannah Ostrowski. And you are all representatives of what club? Student Council. All right, so Student Council is in charge of the blood drive. Uh, Is there a major need for blood right now? Yes. um, Right now, actually, there's like a national shortage of certain red blood cells, so it's really important to come out and donate and help those in need. So far, how many students does Student Council have signed up to give blood today? So far, we are at 37. Are we hoping to get more than that? Yeah, we've had a few walk-ins already, so it's going up right now. All right, so if you had a number in mind, how many would you hope to have by the end of the day? Um, We're probably trying to get 50. That's what we usually get for each blood drive. And will you be sitting here all day to make sure that happens? Yes. All right, well, good luck. Thank you. All right, so we've got a bunch of people coming in to do that. Who can donate blood today? Um, anyone can donate blood if they're 16 or older and you have to weigh upwards of 110 pounds. And what is your job, the four of you today sitting at this table? What are you doing? Uh, we are just signing people in, handing them their raffle tickets, and making sure they get a donut. Oh, donuts provided by student council? Fantastic. All right, we're going to talk to some of the people coming in to donate blood and gauge their feelings about why they're doing this and whether or not they think it's going to go well. Here we go. 
Hi, what's your name? Mr. Scrappitz. Mr. Scrappitz, uh, why are you giving blood today? Because it's the right thing to do. It's in, it's in a lot of need right now, so. Have you ever given blood before? Every year I give blood, yes. And how does it usually go? Any bad reaction? No, never. No, All right. It's pretty smooth, pretty easy. Well, good luck to you, and maybe we'll talk to you after you come out. All right, thanks. Hi, what is your name? Hunter Smith. All right, Hunter Smith. Why are you giving blood today? Because I think I have the donor blood. Oh, are My you? My parents saw me. Is it O? Yeah. O positive, O negative? It's O negative. Excellent. Yeah, well, they were talking earlier about a blood shortage. I'm sure O would come in very handy. Uh, have you ever given blood before? No. Okay, are you nervous about doing it? A little bit. All right, well, good luck in there. We'll yeah. talk to you after you come back out. Hi, what is your name? Andrea Kuyper. Andrea, have you given blood before? No. Are you nervous about how it's going to go? Yes. So why are you giving blood? For the people that need it. All right. Well, good luck in Thank there. Thank you. Right, we've got some more donors coming in. What is your name? Victoria Group. All right. Tori Group. have you ever donated blood before? Yes, I have. Wow. You say that with confidence. Have you donated blood a number of times? Uh, this will be my fourth time. Oh, fantastic. Congratulations. Thank you for donating. Why are you donating blood? I just like helping people. It's like something easy you can do just to save a life. And are you nervous about how it might go? I'm always nervous I'll get rejected. I don't know why, but that's like the only nerves I have. Do you know a reason why they might reject you? I don't know. I'm like not the healthiest person, so that would be why. Uh, are you nervous about the fact that after you give blood, you have to give your final speech in public speaking like minutes afterward? Yes. Yes. Are, are you proud of yourself for scheduling this during the period in which you have to give that final speech? They actually changed my time, so it's not my fault. Fair I, enough. I signed up for right in the middle of public speaking at 9.30. <laughs> so it would have been worse. Yes. Wow, so I can thank student council for changing your time. Yes. Well, thank you, student council, and I'll try not to hold any of that against you when I grade your final speech. <laughs> and good luck giving blood. Thank you. And what is your name? Emily Jordan. And Emily, you are also here to try to duck out of your final speech for public speaking, correct? Oh, well, I actually didn't choose the time that I went. They scheduled me on their own. Okay, so why are you here? Why are you donating blood today? Um, I've never donated before, so this would be my first time. And it's something that I think is really easy and that everybody can do, and so I don't really see why not. Since you've never done it before, are you nervous about how yes. it might go? Yeah. Do you know how the process works at all? Um, not really. <laughs> all right, um, well, we're watching Mr. Scrappitz do it yeah. over there. He's smiling, giving us the thumbs up, so it doesn't look so bad. Yeah. Good luck on giving blood and on your final speech. Thank you. You're I'll welcome. I'll it. <laughs> Mr. Scrappitz, how you feeling now? They have you in the chair. They are swabbing the inside of your elbow where they're going to make... The injection, the, what do we call it? Injection, yes, it is. I'm being told yes. Um, what do you got in your hand there? Uh, the squeezy ball. Squeezy ball. Blood vessels from popping out, you know. All right, and how are you feeling about uh, giving blood now? I always get nervous on that first break, but you know, I've yeah. done it so many times, it's not a big deal. So Not, not a big fan of needles. I'm afraid of fainting in front of the students more than anything. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, come on, that would be great. That would be a it fantastic be. story. It's a great story. You're yeah. Right. Uh, Halp has a story like that. Have you ever heard Halp's story about passing out in front of the students? No, I haven't. So. It wasn't blood. He, uh, he moved a desk, and when he moved it, it landed on his foot. Oh. And I think he broke a toe. He thought he was okay, he tried to keep teaching, and then he just passed out. In the pain. Yeah, you don't know that one? No, I didn't know that one. Uh, Mr. Halp here. I didn't actually break my toe. I just dropped the desk across the bridge of my foot in Mrs. Tossie's room, and the pain of trying to walk it off made me pass out there. 
Mm -hmm. All right, he's squeezing the ball. And here comes the needle. A little blood. It's okay? Yeah, that's good. So when I had my knee replaced, I had a, they had to put one in my wrist, and they missed a vein. And I've never felt so much pain in my life. So that's why I always get a little, little nervous. Had a bad experience. Yeah. Huh? yeah. Plus, I didn't eat much today, so I oh, okay. yeah, I'm always afraid I'm going to pass out. Yeah. I did once, because um, I was up at like 3 in the morning once. I worked out. I didn't eat breakfast. I came in and gave blood. It was going down. So, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. I could sleep in this chair though. It good. Yeah, yeah, it's a comfy chair. It looks looks comfy. Yeah. And uh, all right, the bag is starting to fill, and uh, I think you're gonna be okay. The color in your face looks good. I'm good. Huh? Yeah, you're very with it, very present. <laughs> I think you'll be all right. All right. All right. Good luck the rest of the way through. Thank you, sir. Well, now I'm talking to some people who have gone through the process of giving blood to get their thoughts on what it was like. Uh, first up, I'm talking to... Sierra Williams. And Sierra, were there any complications when you gave blood? Um, yeah, I actually passed out. You passed out? <laughs> what did it feel like? All of a sudden the world went gray? Yeah, everything went black, and then I just woke up with a lot of ice packs on me, and I was just sweating profusely. So they gave you ice to kind of bring you back to a yeah. normal state. Yeah. Uh, did they give you any snacks? Yeah, they gave me a lot of pretzels, cookies, uh, chips, a lot of tea. And roughly how long were you down there recovering from fainting? Probably around like 45 minutes, a lot longer than everyone else was. And how are you feeling now? Great. Amazing. <laughs> Very glad to yes. hear it. Thank you for donating blood. Yes, of course. Hi, what is your name? Taylor Koch. All right, Taylor, you just gave blood. Uh, tell us about the experience. Were there any complications or tense moments? The only tense moment I had was when they sat me down and she said she was going to prick my finger and then she squeezed my finger and then pricked it and then she very roughly squeezed the blood into this tube and it, I feel like it hurt way more than the blood draw. And what was that for? Why were they doing that? They were testing, um, see if your iron good. iron's good. Okay, and I see that you have your sticker that you gave yes, blood, yes. so your iron must have been good. It was wonderful. <laughs> and the giving of blood was fine? No complications? Nope, just didn't look at the needle. What was your go-to snack after you gave blood? I went for the chips, for sure. Just a regular Lay's potato chips? Yes. All right, something nice and salty yeah. to boost you back up. Exactly. Well, thank you for donating blood, Taylor. <laughs> of course, thank you. We're touching base with a student who we saw on her way in to give blood, and she's got a follow-up for us. Who am I speaking with? Andrea Kuiper. All right, Andrea, were there any complications when you gave blood? Um, it, they did it really well, and they said that my blood was really good, <laughs> but... Um, I passed out afterwards. Oh my goodness. So describe it for us. Like, did the world suddenly turn gray? What do you remember? Um, I put my arm up like they told me to, and then I lost my vision and I fell asleep in the chair. Wow. And when you came to, what were they doing for you? Uh, there were like ice packs on my chest and um, they forced me to drink soda. Were there snacks involved too? Yes, there were snacks too. And how long did they keep you there until they felt you were fully recovered? I think an hour. Wow, and how are you feeling now? Much better. Are right, you glad you gave blood? Yeah, I'm really happy. All right, thank you very much for giving blood. So there you have it, Mr. Scrappitz. He's a good dude. Given blood, he's done it a number of times before. He didn't have any issues this time. And if anybody was wondering, Tori and Emily did ultimately give their final speeches in public speaking, and they both went just fine. Now on to someone who gives his blood, sweat, and tears to his musical career, or at least budding music career. That's right. We talked to Michael Corrado from a band called Misanthropes, and he's going to tell us all about their new album that's available on iTunes and pretty much all other platforms. Enjoy this conversation with Michael Corrado. Hey. 
We are very happy today to be sitting down with sophomore Michael Corrado. How you doing, Michael? I'm good. How are you? I'm pretty good. Mr. Hop, how you doing? Well, we'll see if my voice holds up. The day we're recording this, I'm getting over a little bit of a cold, so my voice may give out on me. All right. We're going to do our best to get through this. Michael is joining us today because he is part of a band, and his band has recently released an album on yep. iTunes and other platforms, correct? Correct. Yep. All right. The band is called Misanthropes. Yes. Misanthropes, when I looked it up in the dictionary, not that I didn't know what it meant. I just wanted a technical dictionary <laughs> definition. I had no idea what it meant. It's a little obscure, yeah. Yeah. So misanthrope, I had a general idea, but I did not realize the literal dictionary definition says a hater of humanity. Yeah. Well, it, it varies from, uh, you know, sources to source, but yeah, that's the, ge- that's the general idea. So why are you the misanthropes? Well, I mean, partly because it just sounds cool. You know, you have to think about it for a second and then possibly look it up. Um, we were originally, our band name was Stone Boat. It's sort of the same ideology as like Led Zeppelin, like Led Zeppelin wouldn't fly. So we were just going to sink, you know. Um, and then we brainstormed for a while. And uh, me and Magnus, the other band member. And that's Magnus, um, what's his last name? Magnus Frabel. Okay. And he used to be a student here in middle school, correct? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, we, uh, we don't have that much time to socialize, so I think that's how it sort of fed into that, sort of just antisocial. I mean, maybe not by choice, but uh, um, yeah, that, and it sounds cool. I didn't really have any idea what to name it, so I just left it to him, and he sort of just, it was a lot of Wikipedia searches, or Google searches in general. Band names yeah. are difficult. Occasionally, uh, an odd phrase will pop out of my mouth, and I'll literally stop and say, ooh, that would be a good name yeah. for a band. <laughs> Playing live yeah. this weekend. So, Mike, you're the, you're the drummer, right? Correct. I play the drums, and Magnus, the other member, plays the guitar. Um, in studio, he layered uh, tracks right, right back upon himself, okay. so it would sound like there's another guitar aspect to it. And then the, uh, the man we recorded with um, out in Bethlehem, he played the bass on the uh, tracks, so... And Magnus sings, right? Yes. Yep. He sings also. Tell us about the album Rick's Deodorant. Um, So again, another strange naming story. So since he uh, ultimately found the name of the band, he left the album up to me. And I originally, actually I did have an idea in naming the band. I wanted to name it Brick Deodorant. Brick deodorant. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Kind of like Stone Boat or Led Zeppelin, a brick deodorant is not going to... Yeah. Make you smell better. <laughs> yeah. It just sounds funny. Um, so I just sort of altered that a little bit, and his older brother happens to be named Rick, or Ricky. So I just molded those two together. Who does the writing when you put these songs together? So it's, it's a, sort of a combination between um, him bringing stuff to the table and ideas that are sort of um, you know incomplete, and then it's a lot of us jamming in the basement and then adding stuff to that. Um, so he has the lyrics roughly, uh, he more vocal cues at that, and just chord progressions. And then I sort of find a beat to that, and then he adds more guitar stuff, we formulate the song, and we find the verses and the choruses. And then from there he adds more uh, vocals to it, and then after that we just practice it a lot. All right, I, uh, I did take a listen to the album. Mr. Halp did as well. Uh, we didn't go through with a fine-tooth comb, but we got the gist of it. Mm-hmm. And at this point, I'd kind of like for our listeners to get a sense of what misanthropes actually sound like. So how would you describe it? Who are some of your musical influences? I know what I heard when I listened to it, but I, I'd kind of rather hear it from you. Um, as I mentioned before, I would say a little bit of Nirvana, 
a little bit of Jimi Hendrix. I mean, that's a lot of what Magnus listens to. Um, I don't personally listen to those that stuff. What do but, you listen um, to? I listen to mostly death metal. Okay. And you know, it, it wouldn't. I I I do a lot of death metal drumming too. And so the tempo and the pace wouldn't really mix with what Magnus is bringing to the table. So it's mostly a fight between me trying to put a lot more effort and energy into the song with my drumming and him saying, you know, calm down. You can't, you can't play like that. So um, it's, I'm going to say it's a combination between my drumming being like heavier and more of a metal bass area and his guitar and singing being a sort of classic rock-ish um, garage band type music. I heard uh, like moody, dark rock music. I heard the yes. Doors, yeah, Jim Morrison, the Doors, yeah, uh, Danzig. Uh, I've not heard of any of those. So that <laughs> probably, uh, again, my realm of music is not anything of what Magnus's is. So, 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 what are one or two particular tracks that you're very proud of? And and tell us a bit about the lyrics and the melody and anything interesting when you guys were coming up with that song. Um. I'm going to say that my favorite out of all of them is probably um, Daily Grind. Can't seem to keep my hands to myself, oh, I'm tense and bitter and in bad health, you know, I, every day, oh, I think so hard, it's impossible not to be tired, you know, I can't seem to... That's the most heavy, I would say. Um, that's also our second song we made. Our first song we didn't put on the album. Um, but I just enjoy playing that the most, especially the chorus. Um, and it's just a lot of fun whenever we play that. We bang that out instantly in the, when we were recording it. Um, you like playing that one? Yes. So does that have some of the more intense death metal style drumming that you were correct. talking about? Yep. I, yeah, I can't correct. get over this because if any of you know Michael at all, uh, you're, on the ho- you're on a hockey team, correct? Yes. Are, yep. are you on the high school club team? In addition, yep, yep. In addition to that. Uh, so if you could see him, like picture a you know, skinny, jockish, uh, All-American boy, uh, very polite, very kind when he came in, and I'm having a hard time picturing him death metal drumming. <laughs> yep, yeah. Um, I've been listening to that ever since I was a little kid, and my dad sort of brought it into my life, and yeah, it stuck. So, yeah. Um, so Daily Grind is a favorite. Yep. Tell us about another track. Tell us, uh, Give us the story behind it. Where did it come from? What are the lyrics about? Take us into one of your songs. Um, in and Out is probably the other cool song that we, me and Magnus both agree that is a, uh, it's a, just a pretty cool song in general. It was a little more complex when we made it because we, we needed something to add to it because um, it's the more chill song of the album. got a lot more um guitar that's that's chill and it's very echoey um so we sort of messed up mess around with the recording studio so at the end of the song it sort of fades out and there was a microphone that was 50 feet down the hallway and our recording producer opened the door and it sort of just fades out of me and him playing our both of our instruments when you when we initially tracked it what kind of formal training do you have as a musician so between both of us, I'm going to say, like, maybe a month in total. Well, um, how'd you learn to play drums? When I was five, I went to a drum teacher for about a month, maybe a month and a half. And then I started playing hockey and quit drumming. Um, I played a lot of rock band, though. And I, <laughs> I, 
I quickly learned to play on uh, hard very quickly. So I mean, I just maybe had a little bit of knack to it when I was little. And then I, there was just a giant hiatus when I did absolutely nothing for seven years until I was maybe 13. And then, then my dad was actually in a band when a few years ago. Well, maybe it's like 20 years now, but um, his drummer gave us his old drums. So I just started fiddling around with that. And then Magnus, I met him in seventh grade, I believe. And I, I, th I feel like most drummers do. We tap on our desks a lot. Whenever I have a pencil, I'm constantly tapping everywhere. So he noticed that and he was like, oh, you drum? And I was, I was like, yeah. And he played the guitar and it sort of just went from there. So he has no formal training either. So he, I think he did guitar training for like two weeks. And then after that, it was just sort of watching. I watch a lot of drummers, death metal drummers primarily, but I just sort of learned from there. Do you guys perform live anywhere? We have not as of yet. We, we have planned to play at Music Fest in the past, but we are both very, um, both very active teenagers and we don't have much time during the school year or during the summer for that matter. So uh, we hope to and we plan to, um, but yeah, nothing as of yet. So what are your what are your long term plans um, for the band? Are you guys gonna take make something happen when you graduate from high school, or, or what's the future? Um, I know at least for this year we're looking on getting another guitarist. We know another kid from I think Central maybe. I think he's a senior. We want a we need another guitarist because as I said before we have multiple tracks of guitar on the album, and it would be virtually impossible to play them live without another guitarist. We can play a few off the album live, but um, it would be you know, be kind of dry. So we need to recruit another guitarist, possibly another bassist too, because that would just, again, sound better. Um, and we ultimately want to record another album this summer. We have five songs right now. We do ultimately want to get to 10, and then that would be a more complete album to record. So where can our listeners download your album? We do a little press for you here, a little publicity. Where's the best place for them to go, pay for this thing, and download it? So you can find it on iTunes, uh, Apple Music, uh, Spotify, Amazon Music, Pandora. Um, I believe there may be one more uh, mainstream one. Um, basically everywhere. If you look up Misanthropes or Rick's Deodorant, you'll find us. Excellent. Yeah, thank you for sitting down with us and explaining all that to us. I always like to sit down with people who are musical because I lack those skills almost completely. And best of luck with the band and the album. Thank you. Thanks yeah. for having me. Thank Thanks, you. Mike. So as we said in that interview, if you know Michael Corrado, he does not look like a death metal drummer. Like, like maybe Kenny G's drummer? Do they even know who Kenny G is? I don't even know if Kenny G has a drummer. I, I think he doesn't have a drummer. It's just the sax. Na, 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 na. Okay, Why are you going to put people to sleep? Yeah, I'm like, sorry. Yeah, he looks a little too polished and put together, uh, a little too stylish to be a death metal drummer. And speaking of stylish, we also sat down with Mr. Zeisloft. Mostly because I wanted some tips on how to update my wardrobe. And when you want to do that, among the staff, he's the guy you go to. That's exactly right. So we asked him where he got a lot of his shirts, and, and we were surprised by the answer. Yeah. Uh, that's not all we talk about. We also talk about how he became a teacher. We talk about the sports that he played when he was younger and the sports he continues to play, the sports he coaches for his children. And we talk about the organic diet that his wife yes. has the entire family on. That's exactly right. And got a few tips there of how to eat a little healthier. Right. On top of all the wardrobe tips. So enjoy this conversation with Mr. Zeisloft. 
Yeah, we're talking with a gentleman that we've had on the show before, but we've never had him sit for a full interview. And we're talking to him after lunch on an in-service day. So we'll see how this goes. I don't know what energy levels are going to be like. Our guest today is Mr. Zeisloft. Thank you for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, where did you go for lunch today? We went to Casa Toro. And what did you get at Casa Toro? Trace Amigos. Always Trace Amigos. Trace Amigos is three different Spanish items, correct? So what are the three friends that show up on your plate? The three friends. <laughs> there is a cheese enchilada. There's a chicken taco. And there is another item with cheese and chicken that is delicious as well. And I'm not sure what that is. But collectively, I really enjoy the meal. I'll have to keep that in mind if I ever go yeah. to Casa Toro. Uh, Halp and I got sushi. That's usually our go-to uh, for our an in-service thing. Yeah, it was good. They're both very healthy, much healthier than I am. So that makes a lot of sense. Cool. Uh, how was your morning? You get a lot of work done this morning, preparing for second semester? Yeah, I was relatively productive. I think that I had a big list of things I would like to c- accomplish, and I checked off so far uh, multiple items, so I feel pretty good about my standing, but a little more work to do when this interview's over, yeah. but I feel pretty good. Yeah, I always feel like you can plan lessons just forever. And, and, you know, they're never perfect. It's just time to go. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Time to, time to actually do it and, uh, and, and completely change your mind as you're teaching. You know exactly. what I mean? Exactly. Yep. Well, for the benefit of anyone who's not going to see the lessons that you planned today because they're not students in your class, tell us what classes you teach and what professional roles you serve around the halls of Southern Lehigh. Okay. So I teach um, all 11th grade students, all world cultures. I teach the applied level, the college prep level, and I teach AP world history. Um, three great courses um and then beyond just my teaching i'm the varsity club advisor so we try to support varsity athletics all things varsity athletics um and then i have coached basketball in the past for numerous years but the last uh the last couple on a voluntary basis but this year i'm not because i'm a little bit busy with my own things at home and kids sports and those kinds of things Sure. Maybe we could jump to that then. Uh, Tell us about your family and uh, the sports your kids are playing and your coaching experience there. Okay. Uh, So I have a son and a daughter. Uh, My son's in uh, third grade, and he's on a uh, youth basketball team. Um, Myself and another dad coach that team. And then my daughter's in first grade, and she's on youth basketball team as well. And um, I coach her team also. And then she also does gymnastics. So I don't coach gymnastics, obviously, outside of my repertoire, but I do run her to part cats once a week to get her to practice and make that happen now when you were in high school did you play basketball yeah that was my sport yeah i played basketball football and i ran track but basketball is my main sport you kind of kept with it as uh i won't say an older guy but as an adult you can uh, say older guy that's older guy (laughs) Uh, we're about the same age so i don't feel like i'm insulting you too much okay uh what sports do you still play how do you stay active uh i i just try to go to the gym and stay fit and just work out and and you know keep myself from not being total mush but um i do play basketball frequently i play in a pickup game on tuesday nights uh when my schedule works and then we play before school on friday mornings um i have played in some men leagues but the last two years i haven't just because i am getting a little bit older and i don't like to be guarding players that are in their 20s that's not that fun um i played in the men's flag football league this year for the first time ever uh with a group of guys who are all 40 and above although i'm only 38 so i kind of didn't meet the criteria but it was still a lot of fun um but i still have some aches and pains from playing and that was three months ago so yeah. i might not do that again probably not worth it no, probably not <laughs> worth it and, and you have a pretty killer golf game too don't you yeah so uh go- I, I don't know if i call it a killer golf game i mean it's comparatively to greenwald or to scrap it's it's not killer at all um you know comparatively to like miller or to uh you know people you know, laney than it is killer compared to those two. But um, yeah, compared to the real golfers, it's it's a very average golf game. But I do love to play golf, and I play as much as I can in the summer when I have time. So you're a physical guy. You're into sports. 
But how did you get into teaching? So, um, I mean, I, I grew up playing sports. I grew up, I had a lot of, you know, coaches and teachers that really impacted my life in a positive way. And I felt that was an, an avenue that I wanted to uh, go down. Um, when I was a freshman in college, I was an elementary education major, and I took uh, two years of courses. I did some observations. I went to, uh, for a week, went to a school, an elementary school, and I got to observe some young kids. And the first day, they were very cute, and I thought this was great. And the second day, the, the cuteness wore off, and they were borderline annoying. And by the end of the third day, I was like, I can't do this. So I, uh, after that semester, changed my major to secondary education, um, and I decided to go the high school route, which I thought I did want to, but... Um, yeah, but I would say the reason I'm in teaching is because I have some some people that impacted me when I was a student, and um, I try to hopefully have the same impact on kids that I have in class. Did you always want to go into teaching, or were there other careers that you were interested in? Uh, no, I, I definitely, I, I know I liked, that, that was an option I was, I was very much into, but um, I did uh, contemplate getting in the business world. I, I uh, When I first graduated college, um, I had trouble getting a full-time teaching job. I sub, I was a substitute teacher for a year, and I did a couple of follows with a buddy of mine who was in sales, and I almost took a sales job, and um, I literally was like talking to him about committing to this, and I was I heard an opening at Southern Lehigh for a long-term sub, and I thought, well, let me try this, give this, give this a go, and I was offered the position, and I became a long-term sub here, and I, it turned into a contract position for me. So I was within about a week of just saying so long teaching and getting in the business world, but I, I uh, the right opportunity presented itself and here I am so I remember when you and Dow came in around the same time I remember meeting you both uh, within the same year I think I remember not knowing the difference between the two of you for like (laughs) six months (laughs) no comment (laughs) do you remember the moment you and I met I actually do not, and I'm actually afraid to know where the story is heading. (laughs) No, I do not. We were both in the bathroom at the same time. We were at urinals right next to each other. I do remember this, yes. And uh, we started talking at the urinals, and it was like, uh, oh, hey, you're the new guy. Yeah, hi, I'm Lee Zeisloft. And then it was like, oh, time to shake hands, and we realized we couldn't. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And that was back before the urinals had dividers, so it was really like an interesting dynamic that we shared. Yeah, absolutely. We wouldn't be able to do it now. We wouldn't be able to see each other. So you mentioned you started as an elementary ed major, and right away you realized it wasn't a good fit for you. But in the years since, have you thought about that at all and wondered if maybe now would be a good time to go back, or if you, if what if you had taken that road? Yeah, I probably would no longer be in education, I think, if I stayed in that route. <laughs> and uh, having kids of my own that are young in elementary school, um, I, I do love my kids like everyone else does, but um, my kids, I think, are very well-behaved, and I like very well-behaved kids. I don't, I'm not quite as patient with kids that are not very well-behaved um, as I experience coaching kids that are in first grade and second grade and, and then fourth grade. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know if that's the route that I would like to take. I think I found a right niche to, in high school setting to kind of connect with kids and, and, and be more involved in that way. So, Patience is tough when you teach all day and then you go home to your own children. Yes. That's difficult to begin yes. with. So yeah, doing it at a younger level and just being around that age kid all day, I imagine that would drain you. I give, I give elementary school teachers all the credit in the world because they're, I mean, to teach those kids, I... I it's not for me, clearly, but um, I respect them that they were able to do so. Uh, but how about the students you do teach? Describe yourself as a teacher. How would you describe the rapport you try to create with your students? What's your educational philosophy? Who are you in the classroom? <laughs> I, I like to think I'm really the same guy in the classroom that I am out of the classroom. Um, I My educational philosophy, um, I recognize that a lot of kids don't probably don't love world history. They probably don't love world cultures. Um, maybe they, they're interested in it, but it's not a passion that they have. So I want kids to walk in the door and enjoy their experience in my room. And um, I try to make the class as fun and enjoyable 
enjoyable as I can. Um, I'm not someone who's, uh, who's going to yell at kids and get, you know, that's, I'm not overly serious. I think there's a line of respect that, that is, that is earned for both students and on my behalf. And, and I try to make sure that, uh, kids know where they stand with me, but I want the environment to be enjoyable. And I know that kids, when they see me 10 years after graduation, they're not going to remember a lesson that I, that I taught them. They'll remember, you know, an experience that we shared or, or, uh, you know, something happened in the class that was fun and enjoyable. So, um, that's kind of my philosophy of, of what I like. I mean, my rapport with kids, I think is pretty positive. Um, again, I try to make classes interesting and as fun as I can. I try to tell stories and make fun of myself. Um, I like to give kids a hard time. Um, and I just think that like open relationship that we share, I think helps to build a, a positive environment in the classroom where they kind of buy into me and then therefore they buy into the classroom and or the, the class. And then the, of course the curriculum. So, uh, but yeah, that's where that's where I am. Um, and as a teacher, I think that again, I try to be as laid back as I can, but yet, you know, w- w- with still hovering over a line of, of respect that the kids provide in the room. And um, yeah, I mean, yeah. that's that's kind of how I think I. I know what you mean. You create the boundaries. Yeah. Uh, you make sure you establish them, and they're clear. Right. And then it's all right, guys. Let's have some fun within those boundaries. Yep. I think students usually respond pretty well to that. Yeah. So fun and enjoyable. What's one of the most fun and most enjoyable lessons or units that you teach? Uh, geez. Uh, well, for me personally, I love to talk about the Middle East. I think the Middle East, uh, you know, as far as a modern day, what's happening in the world today, you can go back and look historically at things that have happened, things that have worked, haven't worked, and help to kind of make sense of why there are problems and conflicts today. Um, I do love to teach about religion. I think that as we start talking about religions that originate in the Middle East uh, with Christianity, uh, Islam, Judaism, kids have a lot of misconceptions, and I try to hopefully, like, through a historical lens, kind of explain the connections, explain the people that are involved, um, explain the history of, of what's going on at that time. Um, but I think that's an area of the world today that a lot of kids seem to have interest in because of the different conflicts and things that are going on. And to make sense of it today, you have to understand a little bit of the past and what, what we have done as a nation, as the U.S., but also just what's happened through colonialism and what's happening, historically speaking, through other empires that have been in that area. So that's an area I like to have. I mean, I'm not sure if that's the fun lesson for the kids, um, but the kids are, are definitely interested in that because it seems to have a, you know, more more of a connection from what's happening modern day to, be able to explain what's happening modern day without uh, by understanding what happened in the past. Yeah, I think that, I think that's one of the things that I missed when I took history. I didn't I didn't get it when I was sitting in you know taking American history in, in high school and and even world history in college. I didn't understand that the importance of it is I can't understand why things are happening today if I don't understand how they were in the past yeah. and how they have changed. That's definitely one of the things and the connections that I missed when yeah. I was taking those courses. That's, that's good. That's, that's good. the thing that the kids, I think the kids begin to make those connections. They begin to see things. And as you look at events happening, you know, with, you know, assassinations dealing with Iran today, you know, it's when you start to break those down for kids, explain what happened historically. I think that they, they, they tend to be interested and they tend to want to know more and they tend to ask questions and it's, it's really good. And, um, it also brings up a little like current event things with politics. We could discuss a little modern day politics as well. So I think it kind of is able to bring a lot of kids together to, to really, enjoy the discussion. Speaking of modern day politics, uh, as a nation, I don't want to get too political, (laughs) but as a nation, obviously we're very divided. Yes. Has that made it harder to talk about modern situations in class? Yeah, I think absolutely has. And I think that, um, personally, I try to remain in front of the class as, as moderate as I can. And when I talk about events that have happened and it's funny how students today, more so than even 10 years ago, seem so much more engaged in what's happening politically. So kids have strong opinions about topics. And my hope is just to present some more, like just factual historical information, help to guide them along their way so they can make informed decisions that can, uh, allow them to make sense of what's happening in these parts of the world and these situations that are going on. Facts do seem to be in short supply these days. 
um, I'll hear about a news story. And by the time I actually try to find a newspaper or an article online to read about it, all you can find is the way the left has spun it and the way the right has spun yeah. it. And people form opinions, but not really based on the facts. Yeah. It makes it difficult. It does. It really makes it difficult to teach it because I, I want to present it in a way that I think is fair and consistent for both sides. And I don't want to try to sway my students either way. Um, I also think that it's important for the kids to really kind of understand, well, what, what are the two perspectives? And hopefully they can find some truth that lies somewhere in the middle and, um, you know, proceed from there. But Let's get back to some of those fun lessons you were talking about. <laughs> yeah. Lighten things up a little bit. Yes, please. Uh, we have the same prep period, block one on odd days. Yes. So in the course of like going to get cups of coffee and going to make copies, we kind of bump into each other. And we've talked a little bit about educational philosophy and what you're doing in your class, what I'm doing in my class. And you've mentioned some interesting things that if I were a student in your class, I'd really warm up to. You mentioned using a Seinfeld episode. You mentioned showing a 30 for 30. Uh, do you want to talk about any of that? Um, I mean, I, I don't want to lose, uh, you know, people, followers who are listening to this. I don't want to lose them too much. But, yeah, I do try to incorporate in many different, uh, you know, types of uh, activities and in, in, in forms of media to bring kids together and to kind of make sense of what's happening in the world. But, um, you know, there's a great Seinfeld clip that references... Um, that references communism, which I, I've shown in the past is like a little quick 20-minute sidebar, which has some little connections we can either introduce or conclude a lesson with. Um, you know, the, there's different 30 for 30s, the ESPN features that, that talk about events that we've, or people that we talk about in class, or different culture we talk about in class, and how they can relate to those, those different groups. Um, you know, I think that kids seeing videos and movies today, I think even little clips and things like that can help to really give them more of a visual than I can that I can really you know explain to them uh, verbally or they can read about in a textbook it gives them a little more connection to the event or topic um, Seinfeld went off the air over 20 years ago can students today still connect with Seinfeld? Do they laugh at the jokes? Are they into it? I think kids they see Kramer, they see Kramer, and they think he's enjoyable and funny. Um, but the 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 way our curriculum is laid out. Um, communism and that topic we cover usually tends to lend itself to the exact same time period uh, as, as close to winter break and in, in, in the holiday season. And the episode re revolves around the, the holiday season as well. So a lot of like parallels that they can get into. But the show, I think, is... I mean, I'm biased, but I think it's pretty... It, it doesn't really matter the generation that you're a part of. It's pretty funny no matter what. Humor um, is humor. Yes, humor is humor. But uh, I will also say that I like to also incorporate a little bit of uh, the, the Star Wars aspect of what happens uh, with our East Asian philosophies and religion, kind of incorporate the Star Wars lens into that. Kids seem to make a connection with that as well. So again, using that kind of stuff as a way to introduce or to conclude the lesson, I think it's beneficial to the kids. So. All right, so we got political. Now we're going to get uh, even more controversial. You mentioned Star Wars. The last time we had you on the show was to count down your top five favorite Star Wars moments in uh, the lead up to Rise of Skywalker. Uh, what was your opinion of Rise of Skywalker? Oh, I left the theater. I'm really enjoying it. And the more that I talked to people that are Star Wars junkies, the more problems that I saw with the episode. But I didn't let that sway me. I still left with a few minor things that I didn't like. Uh, overall, though, I really thought that it was... Of the last three uh, movies that came out, I did really seem to enjoy this one, and there were some some problems that I had with it. But I'm I'm going to kind of try to be positive and look at it the, the glass glass has full approach. Yeah, don't listen to this guy. Yeah, he's a, he's, yeah, I mean, he's, he's a hater. He's a <laughs> hater. I'm on the record. I do he's not like the film. <laughs> Just curious what Mr. Zizloff thought. I, I'll give it. You know, I'm not, I'm not giving it. You know, five stars, but it was it was better than the previous. <laughs> on a scale from Palpatine <laughs> to Yoda, how many would you what would you give? <laughs> Uh, we'll shift gears a little bit. Uh, I, uh, I I didn't prep you for this one, but here goes. You're known among the staff as being one of the more stylish dressers. <laughs> 
what's the key to a good fashionable outfit? And I ask because uh, I'm always looking to punch up my outfit a little bit, maybe look a little better. Uh, I don't know if I have a, a good answer for this. Um, as far as the style, I, I appreciate the compliment, and, and I uh, do try to still stay relatively trendy in my style. Um, I try to wear clothes that fit properly. I try to wear combinations that maybe are a little bit new or trendy, but that's just I try to do so. Um, Instagram has helped kind of keep <laughs> keep me up to date <laughs> with what's, what's what's happening in the in the in the world of uh, the the younger population. But um, it is funny the kids will comment on my outfits, and I do love that. But they also comment negatively and po- or, I'm sorry, positively and negatively. So when it's a bad outfit, they let me know. I think they really enjoy letting me know that it's a bad outfit. So <laughs> oh, I'm sure they like that more <laughs> yeah. than yeah. telling it's a nice outfit. So I, I do have to kind of keep that in mind as I am getting dressed, and it's it's unfortunate because my wife wears scrubs to work every day, so she doesn't understand the idea of needing to keep your outfits fresh for work every day. And, um, you know, we don't see eye to eye on that and why I need a new tie or why I need a new shirt or why I need new shoes or whatever the case may be. But, um, I'm kind of slowly wearing her down where she's giving into to, to my demands. Where do you buy your clothes for the most part? Um, I mean, my, my dress shirts and things like that, my dress pants, I go to Express a lot. Express is, I, I think, a little bit out of my price range, but they have pretty good specials and pretty good sales that I tend to keep myself right. refreshed. Slow down. I'm taking notes. Yes. Okay. Express. Okay. I, mean, <laughs> that down, I, that I go almost exclusively to Kohl's just because it's convenient. That's, but convenience is good. That's why clothes I, are nice. Yeah, the outlet, style's a bit limited. Outlet shopping. That's yes, like yeah. outlet shopping. Uh, you mentioned your wife. Uh, you said she puts on scrubs to go to work. Yes. I, I didn't realize. What does she do? She works in a cardiac cath lab at Lehigh Valley Hospital. Uh, so essentially, if people have uh, any kind of heart conditions or heart attacks, um, she's part of the procedure to put stents and balloons in to open up arteries and to keep people alive. Um, pretty stressful job, but it's it's one that she uh, did a little. She had undergrad work, and then she did a specialized program for two years, and now she's her title will be a registered cardiovascular invasive specialist, which makes her sound very important. It does. Um, but it's a pretty cool job, and I have you know hear a lot about it, but it's with the good, with the bad, because it's, it's serious, and people are coming in with emergencies, and, and most cases, they leave the hospital, and they're, they're in a better situation, but it's not always the case. So, so then is she the one who's leading the charge with your kind of organic diet that you and your family are on? <laughs> yeah, um, we definitely like to eat, uh, eat healthy, and um, I would actually, my, I think my wife's sister kind of got us more hooked on this, but she's, she, yeah, she definitely likes to, uh, you know, have herself, but also our family, our kids eat healthy and we're definitely on brand with, uh, eating organic foods and limiting the amount of chemicals that we're putting into our bodies, uh, whether it's through like anything through shampoos and soaps and things that we eat, um, everything's pretty much organic. Like you really, I mean, not that we, we do go out to eat at restaurants and still have regular food just like everybody else does, but we do like to have at home pretty much exclusively, um, organic food. Uh, we don't use plastics really at all. No plastic bottles, no plastic containers. Um, trying to keep ourselves relatively. Uh, that's that's I, I, I. She has done much research than I have, but the research that I have done kind of supports obviously what she's doing. And I'm buying in. I, I feel better. I feel good. So um, I do have a sweet tooth, and I like. Uh, I do have a. Uh, I'm a little bit of a weakling for fountain soda, so I do have some things I like to, to splurge on, but. Everything within sneak you know, a coke in during the day or yeah, something yeah, like once, that once yeah. in a while. Don't you have a rule about how many cokes you can have from I the vending machine? Try to have one a month, and what ends <laughs> happening? I take one, I drink about half, and then I throw the rest away, or I offer it to somebody who might who might want it if they don't mind my mouth on the bottle, um, and then I'll have one a little later. But I do like a soda, but yeah. So a sweet tooth and an organic diet are not necessarily contradictory, <laughs> right? Because don't you give out organic candy on Halloween? 
Uh, Aren't no, you that guy? We we have. Um, I've put a little bit of my foot down on Halloween to uh, to have a little more influence on what we do provide. Um, Again, my wife and I don't see eye to eye on that, but I don't also want my house to get egged by the kids in my neighborhood who don't like the, <laughs> the organic foods that we provide for them. But um, we did one year, it was pretty bad, and then I felt embarrassed, so the next year I stepped in and put my foot down. It's king-size candy bars the yeah. next year make up for it. <laughs> That guy's house does not yeah, get that. No way. no way. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much for joining us, Mr. Zeisloft. Uh, that conversation ran the gamut. I feel like we learned a lot about you. Thank you very much. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks. Right. So that sounds like a fairly strict diet the wife has them on, but at least he stopped giving out organic Halloween candy. Yeah, seriously, that house was totally getting egged. Yeah. Anyway, this wraps up another episode of The Spartan Life. Uh, If you like what you hear or you don't like what you hear or you've got some kind of tip for us, drop us a line. SLSpartanLife at slsd.org. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at slspartanlife. Folks, we're still looking for top fives. I heard uh, my calculus class actually wants to tell the top five times that I've ruined their lives. Wow. Yeah. How can they narrow it down to five, Mr. Howell? I have no idea, but maybe they'll tell us. All right. Maybe on an upcoming episode of The Spartan Life. Maybe not, but until then, stay classy. And if anybody is known for looking fancy and just, can I say it? Just, just handsome. No, that's awkward. (laughs) (laughs)